0: finishing up today our look at the book of Proverbs one of the Old Testament wisdom books along with Job the uh, Ecclesiastes Song of Solomon and Psalms have some wisdom literature in those as well so we've looked at a lot of different uh, topics relative to the wisdom of Proverbs just as the credit card company says don't leave home without it we ought not to leave home without the wisdom of proverbs wisdom for everyday living so this morning we're going to be talking about a topic that proverbs addresses and it's a topic i think that probably applies to us all and let me just start out by asking you to raise your hand if you fit into one of these categories if you are a parent if you are a grandparent if you have ever taught students in any shape form or fashion in a school setting in church setting If you are an aunt or an uncle, raise your hands. I was hoping I'd get the vast majority of you. Uh, There there are a few of you that might not be grandparents or parents yet or might not have taught, but the vast majority of us have been in a position where we've had children under our guidance or we've had students under our guidance. So these words from Proverbs can really apply to all of us. And uh, I want to begin this morning by by naming one of the people that I think is one of the greatest theologians on family life in our time his name is Dennis the menace and, and Dennis is is on his knees in a chair you know and he's leaning over the table on which the telephone is placed and, and he's on the phone with his buddy joy and he says joy can I call you back in a minute my parents are having an argument about whose fault I am (laughs) and you know that made me think about an experience that I had Uh, this has been my gracious can't believe it 18 years ago I I think I've told you this story before but uh, we were on the campus Patty of Wake Forest University we were just talking about that where Patty was an undergraduate we were there in 2001 August hot 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 but thankfully we were in Wake Chapel and our son was starting his freshman year at Wake Forest and the president at the time Dr. Thomas K Hearns was addressing over 900 freshmen and their parents in Wake Chapel and he told a story going back many many years ago when Wake Forest was located in Wake Forest North Carolina it was Wake Forest College And it moved to Winston-Salem in the mid-50s. And William Louis Petit, Dr. William Louis Petit, was the president of Wake Forest at the time. Apparently an incident had happened on campus. And a male student had been caught doing something he shouldn't be doing, and so he was disciplined by the college. And so the student's mother wrote Dr. Petit, complaining that the university had made a fool. Out of her son. And she was not a happy camper. So Dr. Petit wrote back, and I remember Dr. Hearns, the president at the time, quoting part of that letter. Here's what Dr. Petit wrote back in part to the mother. He said, the university had not nor never would make a fool out of anyone, but merely sought to bring out of the student what was already there in the first place. Woo. That one stung, didn't it? So, so, you know, these two stories illustrate, I think, why anytime you do an evaluation on a child or a student, uh, it creates an uncomfortable evaluation on the parenting. You know, it, it says something about who we are as parents when you, we start talking about who he or she is as my son or daughter, you know? It, it just makes for a tough evaluation. I told you a number of weeks ago, back in August, when we looked at Proverbs and marriage, that I think two of the most important things we potentially can do in life is to be a marriage partner and to be a parent. And the sad thing about both of those roles is that we have the least amount of training and preparation to do both of those things than we do with other things. In our life, you just think about the training, the education, the preparation it takes to do what you do professionally. You've got far more training to do your job than you have to be a good spouse or a good parent. Think about if you play a sport or if you play a musical instrument. You've probably been to far more camps and had far more lessons to be trained and prepared to play the instrument or to excel at the sport than you do to be a marriage partner. Or a parent and you know I was thinking about this week here I was putting together this sermon on my computer and a lot of us have far more training to run our computers or programs or software associated with it than we do to be a marriage partner or a parent now I don't know how it was with you but when my son Philip and my daughter Lauren were born they forgot to give me something when they came I didn't get an owner's manual did any of you get an owner's manual when your child showed up in the world so how in the world are we supposed to know what to do well Proverbs I think gives us some help so I want to put some things on the screen this morning to first of all talk about some teachable moments for children some things we need to lock in as children and a lot of us even though we're adults still have parents who are alive and so we can lock this in from that angle too The Proverbs starts out, very first chapter, listen my son, now now keep in mind, Proverbs is probably a manual of instruction for young boys in a school of wisdom and training and discipline. So listen my son to your father's instruction and do not forsake your mother's teaching. They will be a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. Next scripture. Proverbs 6, my son, keep your father's commands and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Bind them upon your hearts forever. Fasten them around your neck. When you walk, they will guide you. When you sleep, they will watch over you. When you awake, they will speak to you. For these commands are a lamp. You know, lamp, light guides the way, right? This teaching is a light. And the corrections of discipline are the way to life. And then uh, the last scripture, Proverbs 23, teachable moments for children. Listen to your father who gave you life, and do not despise your mother when she is old. Buy the truth and do not sell it. Get wisdom, discipline, and understanding. The father of a righteous man has great joy. He who has a wise son delights in him. May your father and mother be glad. May she who gave you birth rejoice. What a good thing it is for parents to be able to say, I'm glad I got this one, or I'm glad I've got these two or three or four, however many. It's a good thing when the father and mother can be glad and rejoice. Thank you for putting that on the screen. So what's the bottom line? The bottom line is that grandparents and parents and aunts and uncles and teachers and professors and all sorts of adults really do have some good experience under their belts. They've got some good wisdom. They've got some good understanding. And if we are in a position of learning, whether a student or a child, we really ought to Listen to the depth of that wisdom. There's a sentiment that was um, expressed a lot of years ago, and I tried to hunt it down this week, tried to track it and find out who really said it. it. It's often attributed to Mark Twain, but most of the Mark Twain scholars said he never said it. So I don't know who said it, but you've probably heard it before. When I was a boy of 14, my father was so ignorant that I could hardly stand to have the old man around. But when he got to be 21, I was astonished at how much the old man had learned in seven years. We can always learn something from our parents. My mother is 94 years old. And every once in a while, she still breaks forth with a gem of wisdom that I listen to, that I might not have heard before. We're never too old to learn from teachers and students and parents and grandparents and others who can teach us some things. But there's also a teachable moment for parents in Proverbs. And I want to put this on the screen, this scripture for you, because there's some great things about what we as parents or teachers of our kids ought to be thinking about. And, and by the way, as we go through this scripture, I want you to see if you can pick out the two words that I think are very thematic from all of these scriptures. You see if you can pick out the two words that I picked out that I think are common themes throughout the scripture. All right. He who spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is careful to discipline him. Discipline your son, for in that there is hope. Do not be a willing party to his death. Proverbs 22, train or start a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. How many of you have heard that one many times before? I I bet you've had that quoted to you, or you've quoted it to somebody else. All right, next one. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod... Of discipline will drive it far from him Proverbs 23 do not withhold discipline from a child if you punish him with the rod he will not die punish him with the rod and save his soul from death and then the last one the rod of correction imparts wisdom but a child left to himself Disgraces his mother. Discipline your son, and he will give you peace. He will bring delight to your soul. What are the two words that you think I might have picked out as the two words that were common themes in these scriptures? What, what's the first one that came to your mind? Discipline is one. And what's the second one? the rod is the one I saw the rod boy my granddaddy loved the rod I can hear him right now you boys get away from that barn or else I'm gonna come out there and kill a place on you and he had something that he could he he was speaking of weapons of mass destruction at that point (laughs) But but, but let's start out, let's let's talk about the rod for a moment. The rod, biblically, could be a walking stick. The rod, biblically, could be a, a weapon used by a soldier. The rod, biblically, could be an instrument of punishment. But the rod, biblically, or a staff, or a crook, is a tool that shepherds you. They, they use it to protect the sheep or they use it to guide the sheep the curved end of the rod a, a sheep falls into a ditch the sheep's looking down doesn't know how in the world to get out the shepherd comes along takes that crook of that rod or that stick that staff and puts it around the sheep's neck and pulls the head up and pulls it up out of the ditch or the sheep is getting to the point where uh, starting to stray from the flock so the rod or the stick is used to to corral them back in to the flock so often we think of the rod as being an instrument of punishment to administer a spanking to a child and undoubtedly corporate punishment is a tool that's used in ancient israel in the school setting in which these young boys studying proverbs or in the home corporal punishment was probably a tool that was used but i want you to keep in mind this morning that the rod is a symbol i think that's what proverbs was talking about at least in part the rod is a symbol of discipline and guidance that we administer to our children parents and teachers we use the rod of discipline and guidance To keep our children on the right path. Like the sheep with the shepherd, when the child falls into the ditch, we use the rod to lift the head up and to guide them in the right direction and to help them understand what's not the right path for them. That's the rod. It's a symbol of guidance and teaching and discipline. And then the word discipline. You you saw that pretty easily. The word discipline means more than punishment. The word discipline means to instruct it means to teach it means to train and isn't that what we want to do with our children whether we're teaching the classroom whether we're a parent or a grandparent don't we want to teach our children the right way to head and the wrong ones to avoid so, so here's what I think Proverbs is suggesting to us teachers and parents children find security when adults in their lives. So Amy, these are some of your uh, Sunday night youth leaders, adults in our youth ministry, or Sunday morning, or, or Sunday school teachers for children or preschoolers, or parents or grandparents. Children find security when those caring adults in their life set limits, when they set expectations for behaviors, when they set boundaries. And then you lace it with a lot of love and you lace it with appropriate affection, especially parents hugging and touching and speaking words of love and affirmation, children flourish. They're looking for boundaries. They're looking for being disciplined, taught, trained, and letting that discipline be swift and sure and certain. You know, when my parents told me something and I didn't do it, I knew what was to follow swiftly and surely and certainly. They backed it up very quickly. I think that's where kids get their their security, and I think Proverbs knew that. You know, there are two things my dad told me when I got into my teenage years that I'll never forget. I got my driver's license. And once I proved that I was a, a good driver, he let me drive his car. But he said to me he said now I'm gonna let you drive my car but I want you to understand that I have people watching you in the community I, I, I've got them I've got people watching you out in the community and if you ever misuse one of my and, and we did live in a, even though I grew up in Raleigh at the time it was out in the county it wasn't in the city limits and everybody knew each other in the community and parents of you know my friends if i misbehave they jumped in and acted just like my parents they, they put me straight real fast and i it was understood that if another parent told me to do something i better do it better do it fast just like my own parents telling me so i got them watching you out in the community my dad said and, and if you misuse one of my vehicles he said law enforcement will not take your driver's license from you I'll do it and you'll never get another license again for the rest of your life or never drive again the rest of your life and I'm sitting there thinking how, how, how can he make that happen but you know I really believe that he had people watching me, and so I never you know sped or, or drove the car in, a, in an unsafe fashion the second thing he told me is that if you ever get into a situation where somebody a friend is inviting you to do something and you know it's wrong you know you shouldn't do it but you can't quite find the courage to say no he said you blame it on me and tell them that your daddy would kill you if you did it And that you don't want to die an early death and you know I just remember I mean I never would have admitted it to my dad at the time I mean you you know I'm just not gonna admit hey I like what you just told me Uh, but it gave me a sense of security because there were boundaries and there were limits and there were expectations and I think the book of Proverbs understands that truth I think the writer inspired by God understood that children from the moment of birth, whether they're in the classroom or in the home or in the church, they are wired in such a way that they need some expectations and some boundaries and some limits and some discipline and some training and some instruction. And sometimes moms and dads and grandparents and aunts and uncles and teachers and professors. Ricky, I bet in the classroom at ECU you've had to make some tough calls on kids because you knew they needed it. It would help them grow up sometimes we have to do those things and I think the writer of proverbs knew that truth and hopefully those of us who are parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles and teachers and professors and other caring adults hopefully we know that also